It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what to say? They're being sued on, on four issues, on some cases by multiple claimants. Is that the best phrasing? Mm. Or just... I mean, that that's... that's that's accurate. I'm Allison Smith, publisher and reporter at Queen's Park Today. I cover Doug from Queen's Park. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. I'm the news editor at Canada Land. I previously covered Rob and Doug Ford at Toronto City Hall and was in their basement on at least one occasion sitting next to the then mayor watching a hockey game. They also sang Christmas carols. This is Wag the Doug, a pop-up podcast about Doug Ford for Canada Land. We have no particular schedule. We put out a podcast whenever we think it's, you know, necessary and or fun. If you're confused, angry, scared, or very excited about the Doug Ford administration, we'll, we'll talk you through it. And if you are very excited, um, please talk us through that. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Doug Ford, the Ford administration, has been in power for just two months, but it's already being sued on four different policy fronts. Yeah, it's four policy fronts by, in many cases, multiple claimants and applicants on each front. Okay, so the biggest news this week was the Tesla lawsuit. Elon Musk's electric vehicle luxury brand California-based tech company 
is suing Doug Ford. In our newscast, the government of Ontario arbitrarily singled out Tesla for harm when the province ended its electric vehicle rebate program. That is according to a ruling from the Ontario Superior Court of Justice. James and Ford. they won. Mm-hmm. A judge ruled on this very swiftly. Um, Congratulations to Tesla for winning the race to be the first to successfully sue the Ford government. They love to be the first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what happened is Doug Ford has abolished Ontario's cap-and-trade system. Ontario's cap-and-trade system took in money from companies to distribute for green ventures of various types, one of them being subsidies for electric vehicles like the popular Tesla. Well, Ford came in, they canceled this, but they gave an extension for a couple months for people who had already bought cars, electric vehicles of all types, to still claim this subsidy. But they decided to exclude Tesla from this extension based on the fact that it doesn't have any dealerships in Ontario. So the judge basically, he called that this was unlawful. He determined that Ford government's argument that it had anything to do with like supporting Ontario car dealerships was totally bogus and that the Ford administration just seemed like they were out to get Tesla, Mm -hmm. which they have kind of said that they were. That's what I have a message for Tesla. Stop trying to get rebates for your millionaire buddies. You know, back during the campaign and and in the past. Will the Premier tell us why when it came to a choice between subsidizing a $140,000 Tesla owner Ah. with massive rebates versus spending to treat rare disease, she went with a new car. Tesla, Tesla. Thank you. Tesla's always been a target of the PC party, and it turns out that's too bad for them. So basically, it comes down to not the fact that it was so much that this is bad policy, because it's not really generally up to the courts to determine whether something is good or bad policy. And courts, you know, really don't like trying to subvert the authority of a lawfully elected government. It comes down to, you know, whether a policy is arbitrary and or vindictive. In the decision in the Tesla case, the judge cited a 1959 Supreme Court case in which the premier of Quebec had apparently uh, directed that a business owned by Jehovah's Witness be denied a liquor's license. And there's a passage from that decision cited by the judge that kind of explains more or less what the parameters are for a government in exercising its discretion. The quote and the line is, no, in public regulation of this sort, there is no such thing as absolute and untrammeled discretion. No legislative act can, without express language, be taken to contemplate an unlimited arbitrary power exercisable for any purpose, however capricious or irrelevant, regardless of the nature or purpose of the statute. Discretion necessarily implies good faith in discharging public duties. Basically, You can't do whatever the fuck you want for any reason you want. Governments have discretion to act in good faith. And in a case like this, where basically they decided to exclude Tesla, you know. Because it looks bougie. Exactly. (laughs) That's uh, It sounds fancy. People know Teslas are expensive. And giving a tax credit to people who buy Teslas has always been something that the PC party has Mm -hmm. found distasteful. That's exactly it. So we have the judge's ruling. So Ontario has lost its first court case. The government can appeal Mm -hmm. this. They've been ordered to pay, I think, the legal fees to Tesla, but it's not that much money. But are are they going to have to overthrow this policy? Like, what's going to change? That's the part where I'm just, I'm not sure where that stands. Basically, the minister's order has been quashed and voided. Basically, that means the 
uh, they have to try again. Try again in a more lawful way that either articulates a purpose for excluding Tesla, like a legitimate purpose, or include Tesla, presumably. Chances are they can find a way to construct any given thing in a way that, well, has a good chance of standing up in court. The problem or the thing with the Doug Ford government is that it likes to, you know, move fast and break things. That's barely a viable way to run a business. It's certainly not a great way to run a government. But when you have, you know, a bottomless treasury to pay for lawyers to def defend your policies, some governments prefer find it's easier to ask forgiveness in the courts later than ask look for permission to do something in advance. So you make a lot of policies right off the top. You charge forward, try to get through as much as you can. You see what sticks. If something doesn't stick, you go back and try again, see if it sticks a second time. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. They avoided a lawsuit in one of their very their very first bill uh, this summer, which was also an environmental, green energy focused uh, legislation, and that was to cancel that big White Pines wind farm project in Prince Edward County. And what they did to avoid that being a lawsuit was basically put inside the bill rules saying that the company can't sue them for shutting down their project. So a lot of people pointed to that as like, um, that's what crazy dictatorships where no one does business do. I mean, as it is, the fact that they rushed to try to get so many things through has, you know, surprisingly put the government lawyers in some very fun positions. Uh, as described in a Star article by Jennifer Pagliero explaining the arguments over when to hear the challenge to Bill 5, that's the council cut, the government lawyers were complaining there wasn't enough time. Uh, the province's lawyer, Robin Basu, said he may have trouble responding to what is now an avalanche of materials from all those involved, boring a description from Justice Bellobaba. Basu said the province's case could be, quote, severely prejudiced if they are forced to go ahead on August 31st as scheduled. Which is hilariously ironic, right? Oh, because yeah, it's the whole delicious. Thing... It's delightful. It's, there's a visceral pleasure in reading that. Because, the... of course, the province in this case ordered, you know, right uh, yeah. hours before the city council. We talked about this on the first episode, but, you know, made these insane changes to the Toronto City Council makeup and are now, the province is now arguing, well, we can't fight that in court. It's too, it's too fast. It's too fast. And so, I mean, I guess, well, you can have maybe some sympathy for government lawyers who have a, a duty to undertake and a job to do. It's like, well, yeah, of course, that's what's going to happen when your method of governing is just like swinging your elbows around. Presumably, they're... they're more, in that case, there will be more than enough arguments to, uh, trying to show that – well, I mean there are arguments showing that that action was arbitrary but also, I mean, that it was vindictive. And to the extent that courts have the ability to intervene in government decisions, when something is clearly arbitrary and vindictive – that tends to be difficult to defend. And if you're doing it so quickly and that the government can't even mount a defense of it because there's no rational, non-arbitrary, non-vindictive reason for to do something, tough shit. So that's two. That's two of the lawsuits. That's we have, two. We have Tesla. We have the Toronto City Council uh, decision. Keep going. Or, or, keep going. Keep going. Ruling. Now we have the sex ed curriculum. You know, it's another whole complete policy change that didn't actually involve any legislation. But we have the province 
going back to an old curriculum that doesn't include things like cyberbullying, gender expression, transgender identity, uh, sexting, discrimination, gay-straight alliances, all of these things that students in Ontario had been learning about in 2015, 2016, 2017. And you know what? They're going to school in September, and they don't get to learn about this anymore. So we have a human rights tribunal case going forward about that. And we now have just a regular lawsuit from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association also just announced last week. So basically now we have the premier and the government of Ontario is going to be going to court to argue against using progressive terms having to do with gender identity in a court of law and arguing that it's better for students to not learn them, which is just seems like a really crazy scenario to be in in 2018. Oh, I'm really looking forward to reading this statement of defense. It'll be really, 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 really fascinating because once again, like when you try to take terms from political rhetoric or this whole, you know, for the parents deal, whether, you know, dog whistling for a social conservative base, whether you're talking about lack of consultation, which is manifest and true, and then you try to put that in the context of factum or of a of a statement of defense. It's something you file with the court. It, it often reads pretty weird because you actually have to come up with real legal arguments. I mean, they might just talk about, once again, government discretion. But, you know, usually there has to be some sort of l- lawful discretion beyond this is what we want to do. Well, yeah, because if but you not read always. the like the social conservatives, you know, their own language when they're talking about this, they're like, they're teaching pornography in schools. Mm. And I can't believe how disgusting this gay sex is that's in the curriculum. And it's and the, but they can't put that. Exactly. In the legal without without it's not true and be not <laughs> illegal. And um, without, yeah, without resorting to that kind of rhetoric, what is the pressing purpose to to change these things and to you know in the in the arguments of those taking them to court to put them in danger essentially well and i mean even the whole their whole other argument is for the parents right parents weren't consulted parents weren't consulted which again is factually inaccurate <clears throat> the previous liberal government consulted on two separate occasions years apart um to basically come up with this curriculum didn't have the guts to do it, implement it the first time then did it later So that can't even stand up. And I don't even know if the court would care about it if it's talking about charter rights. Maybe the document's just going to say for the parents, for the parents, for the parents, for the parents, for the parents. While while I would caution people to never count on the courts to save you on on any given policy in any given way, it is always very interesting when governments – can no longer rely on their own framing of a debate, can no longer rely on their own terms and are forced to actually defend their decisions within a legal framework. Do we want to talk about the for the parents, the the snitch line? Like what is what is there to say? That's stupid. Yeah, and the first thing I would say is that it's not actually a snitch line. It's just pointing them in the direction of the College of Teachers regular complaint line. <laughs> I guess interestingly the Minister of Education has not responded to any media inquiries whatsoever after announcing the changes to, I mean, I haven't been trying her every day, but Megan Fitzpatrick from the CBC has been tweeting every day when she reaches out to the Minister of Education. Because, I mean, this is, you know, in lots of cases, the public doesn't actually really like need to know or care about every single detail of government policy that media wants to get out of them. And I get that. But... School is starting and 
a lot of parents and a lot of students, and especially if you are the parent of a queer student or a transgender student, you have the right to be concerned about this and to have the minister answer some questions, valid questions about this that they should be speaking to the public about, and they're just completely avoiding it. Do you think it's because they can't answer or they won't answer or just don't want to answer? All three. <laughs> they definitely don't want to answer. Are they worried it could prejudice their the legal cases? Or do you think it's just that she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing? And I mean, she's doesn't... already avoided the media a bunch during the summer session. There was like a two or three week stint there that she just ran away after a question period or wasn't in question period. And this is, again, Lisa Thompson, um, the you, education minister. Do so you, Do you think they're regretting appointing her to this portfolio? I feel like she was kind of set up to take a dive because... I mean, she was a weird appointment to begin with. She had no education background. She was a PCMPP for a long time, but she was like the agriculture critic and kind of grew up in like farming was sort of her beat. And so when she was appointed education minister, everyone was kind of like, hmm, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that this is necessarily her fumbling this because I don't think she's the one that is, you know, she's never been like an outspoken social conservative. So I don't think this is all her, but I, she's not handling it with a lot of authority. Okay. So the last one, there's only one more lawsuit to talk okay. about. It's the basic income pilot was canceled by the government. It was supposed to be three years long. It's been not even a whole year it's been going on. Uh, now, all of these people that signed up for this pilot, they're supposed to be getting a set amount of money over a year so that they can, like, turn their lives around and get jobs and rent apartments. And, all you know, everyone's very excited about this. Well, squashed by Community and Social Services Minister Lisa McLeod. Uh, and now it looks like four residents of, of Lindsay, so the pilot was going on in a few different cities, one of them being Lindsay, Ontario, are starting a class action lawsuit to basically say the government has like breached their contract with them, which I think this one's really sad. I You actually hear the personal stories of, I don't know, the ones of these exact four people, but you know, it's like people that had just like finally had enough money to rent an apartment, move out of like some shabby hotel room they'd been living in. There was one woman who, who I think was able to buy a walker for the first time so she could get around. They're not getting a lot of money. I don't know. I just feel really bad for these people. Especially since actually the government's argument and Lisa McLeod's argument is that the previous liberal government's social service policies were really piecemeal and they were, you know, there was layers and layers of bureaucracy and it was so expensive because of this. But like the whole point of basic income is that people get one check every week and they don't have to or every month and they don't have to deal with ODSP and Ontario Works and many different layers of applying to many different forms of welfare, it simplifies the process. And, you know, they're arguing that this is just another layer of complication, which is basically antithetical to what basic income is. To the extent that it's more complicated than Doug Ford going to community housing and handing out 20s, um, (laughs) yes, yes, it is definitely like, oh, goodness, government bureaucracy. And just to be clear, that's not a metaphor or figurative. There was that time he actually went to a Toronto community housing building and in the words of the Globe and Mail, peeled off 20s from a stack in his hand. Okay, here we go, folks. Thank you. Merry Christmas. That's it. There you go. Can I get you over? Yeah, she hasn't gone up yet. Something that was definitely true of Rob Ford and 
probably also to an extent to, to an extent of Doug Ford is difficulty understanding uh, or indifference to understanding us uh, systems generally systems that are designed to help people institutional supports problems that exist in a sort of any sort of widespread general sense and that you know government is arguably in the best possible position to address the same way you know rob ford would respond to a phone call about a broken anything pretty much but but <laughs> well you know but at the same time would rob, vote i broke my nail uh you would probably get a call back and he would probably inquire what type of nail you were referring to. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he would he would respond to individual inquiries to fix things. He enjoyed that uh, sort of ombudsman type role while at the same time voting against programs that would actually, you know, reduce the occurrences of those problems in the first place. So if you want to look at the basic income pilot through the lens of that, through the idea that, I'm sure Doug Ford understands the appeal of going to community housing and handing out money, handing out cash, handing out bills, while at the same time uh, disapproving in principle of the government creating a program to, to, you know, to do that in a similar sense. And I'm not here to say that the former liberal government's overall social services policies were perfect. I'm sure they are plenty wasteful and that there's lots of ways they could be reformed. And, you know, and also the former liberal government got sued all the time. So, you know, no governments are perfect and no government's going to solve everybody's problems. But neither is a man going around handing out 20s. To find out more about what levels of bullshit the courts will or will not tolerate with regard to Doug Ford's government, open up Twitter or turn on the news right now. Because if you're listening to this on Friday, August 31st, they are back in court. That was Wag the Doug. Alternate titles we considered included Teach Me How to Dougie, The Good, the Bad, and the Dougie, and Lars von Trier's Dougville. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. You can reach me on Twitter at Goldsby. And I'm Allison Smith. You can reach me on Twitter at at Queen's Park Today. This show was produced by Kevin Sexton. Our theme song is Nathan Burley's Doug Step remix of For the People. Everywhere I go in Ontario, thousands of people are telling me that they love the remix of that song. But we did also hear from lots of you listeners. After our first episode, it seems like this show might be something that people want. But the future of this show, like the future of all things, is uncertain. We're still brand new and we still need new listeners if you want us to keep going. So once again, please help spread the word. Tweet about the show, give us an iTunes rating, seek a court application injecting our cancellation. It all helps. If people keep listening, we will keep wagging the dug. Lisa Kudrow was fired from the set of Frasier. Charles Schultz was told he'd never make a living scribbling. Missy Elliott was dropped by her label. And Rita Moreno couldn't land a role of substance for seven years after West Side Story. The stories of famous names, their lesser-known rejections, and the insights those rejections provide. We regret to inform you, The Rejection Podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 